We are asked over and over again, how do you find the right phone numbers for the properties you're trying to buy? It is pretty simple. You skip trace the owner and property address. What does that mean? What does skip trace mean? It means you go and find the contact information of the owner of a property. But you don't want to do that one time. Real estate is a numbers game and a people business. You need to work a lot of leads to find motivated sellers. We use an awesome skip trace service that you can upload a giant list of names and addresses all at once, and a few minutes later, you have a ton of phone numbers for prospecting. Visit www.dpipodcast.com forward slash skip trace. All right, guys, we are back. This is the Discount Property Investor Podcast, and I am your host, David Dodge, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri today. Today, I have Scott Carson on the show, and Scott is going to educate us on, the, on a uh, type of real estate that we don't talk about all that much on this show. And Scott is with the Note Closers Show. He has a podcast as well. So let's welcome Scott to the show. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Hey, David, honored to be here, guy, and uh, honored to be on here. And you guys are listening. David's doing a great job. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave him a five-star review while you're thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Take that advice, guys. Scott, you're the man. You're the man. Well, Scott, let's jump right in. What is the Note Closer show about? And even before we get to that, I, I actually, let's talk about that first. Let's talk about that. So for the last three and a half years, I've had the podcast called The Note Closer Show. It's focused on the niche of distressed note investing, you know, non-performing notes. I've been an expert on that niche of real estate investing for the last decade. I've actually been doing it since 2007. So for the last 13 years and started, you know, so I've been doing videos and, and webinars and stuff on this niche of real estate investing, educating the public on kind of a, a largely unknown or overlooked aspect of uh, inside of real estate. And, Started a podcast three and a half years ago, and uh, we're syndicated across the United States and 17 radio stations and millions of downloads and listens per month. So that's kind of what it's about. We, uh, we, we talk about um, little niches, a nugget each day on either what's, uh, what's going on in the note industry, you know, a bit of due diligence, a bit of education. Uh, I'll bring on, you know, investors in the note industry as well and talk about their journey. We bring on vendors. And then we also mix in the, uh, the occasional bit of business uh, mindset and, and marketing along the way to help our, our listeners really take their, their businesses to the next level. Nice. You guys have a, a pretty good uh, global, a global um, you know, feel for all things considered real estate, but I would imagine that you're focused on the notes. So that's awesome. Let's start simple. What is a note? Uh, everybody's in the note space. So let's, let's talk, let's start with there. If you've got a mortgage, a car payment, credit card, student loan debt, medical bills, uh, an IOU is a note. Basically. Okay. And so one, it's a loan essentially, or it's uh, it's the paperwork that states that you owe somebody money. Exactly. It's the paperwork. And we focus on the niche of note investing in first liens and on residential and commercial properties. So if you've got a mortgage, that's a note. And what we primarily focus on is non-performing notes, whereas the borrower, you know, the property owner has stopped paying the bank or the lender for a variety of reasons, whether it's uh, job loss, death, divorce, um, the property values have dropped or something like that. Um, we're, 
you know, we've made our uh, bread and butter on buying distressed notes from banks and different hedge funds across the country. And we make our profit by buying it at, at a huge discount and then working out with a homeowner uh, and some sort of exit strategy um, to either try to keep them in the property in some sort of modification or trial payment plan or something like that, or looking to liquidate that property with your, uh, a foreclosure if we have to, but we sell the property a short sale, a loan assumption, or even, uh, I know it's a favorite of your, your listeners, even can wholesale that note to other note investors out there too. Yep. We do a lot of wholesale coaching and teaching on this podcast. So that would fit in rather nicely. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, when it comes to notes, are you mostly focused on the performing side of these notes or the non-performing side? And if you're new and you don't know what the difference is, a performing note is a note that the borrower is making payments on. It's current. And the non-performing note would be one that they are past due or they maybe haven't made um, payments in a few months. So what, are you focused on both or what, what do you guys typically like? So we like both. I spend most of my time in the non-performing space because that's the bigger discounts, the, big, the better yields and buying something that's non-performing at 30, 40 cents of, of the value of the property. And we make our money by A, either getting the borrower to start paying on time in some sort of fashion because we since we bought the note at a discount, we're the bank now. And so we have a lot of flexibility in working with the homeowners or the borrowers to either keep them in the property or, or uh, you know, move on. As we like to say, you no pay, you no stay. Okay. Or, and then we like to convert into performing notes that, that we've got a great yield that we can sell off either to other investors, keep for cash flow, or sell back to other lending institutions on the secondary market. So uh, I always tell people that if you, you can't be in the performing and the non performing note space without being in the other field as well. So, okay. So you're, so you're kind of, you're, you're, if you're in the space, you're typically in both. For the most part, uh, people that like more passive returns don't want to be hands-on or it would be better offset in the performing space. But at some point you're going to have um, a borrower miss a payment default if you do this long enough. So it's, you're going to be, need to be knowledgeable in both kind of both areas there, David. Got it. Okay. Why would somebody be interested in buying a note? So like for me, I've never bought a note. But I have bought, you know, I bought 100 houses last year and I've done over 400 wholesales. So I buy a lot of property, but I've never bought a note. So why would somebody have interest in buying a note? Well, isn't it all about the Benjamins? It's all about the ROI, right? That's right. Um, and, and now, the biggest thing I like to tell people about, too, there's another term that we use instead of ROI, uh, ROT, a return on time. Um, you know, I've been a wholesaler, I've been a, a rehabber, I was a licensed builder in Texas for a while years ago. Um, you know, I, I don't want I don't like fix and flipping. I like cash flow that gets delivered into my bank account via zeros and ones. And so what I like about the note space and it's attractive is we do a lot of this without dealing with the homeowners on the front end. We're not dealing with, you know, mailing out postcards or yellow letters or door knocking or um, dropping marketing you know, dollars into that. We deal directly with the banks and that's where we get our lists from. So, we, you know, most people setting out marketing, they're hoping to get a borrower, a distressed, you know, borrower of some sort to reach out to them. Hey, I got one property I need help with. I want a bigger bang for my buck. I want a bank to reach out to me and say, Hey, I've got some assets that you can sell. Like I got a list in of 77 assets yesterday. I got another list in today of 45. I got another one, two, days ago of a hundred assets that I can cherry pick from. And 
they're all non-performing and that's the nice thing in non-performing depending on how far behind um, they are we're usually gonna be looking at picking up that note somewhere between uh, 30 and 60 percent of as is value um, usually at 50 percent or less of what's owed on the mortgage too so it gives us a lot of flexibility um, so I like that great returns access to a lot more deals uh, with a lot less marketing costs and then it's just we've got a lot of flexibility in the extra strategy that we can go so why would a lending institution um, or a bank or whoever that has the note that's selling it, why would they be willing to discount it, you know, 30 or discount it down to 30 to 60%, call it half? Uh, for a couple of reasons. It's going to depend on the state that the, 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 the note or the property is in, um, which depends on the foreclosure timeframes. Like here in, in Texas, Texas is a fast foreclosure market, 21 days. I don't buy that much stuff in Texas because by the time the bank files uh, the notice of default, they can foreclose in the next 30 days. So they're going to sell a much higher premium than they would say in Illinois, which can take you a year to foreclose. So a bank also, here's a big thing. The department that handles the note sales is called the secondary marketing or the special assets department, not loss mitigation. So I think most people are used to dealing with loss mitigation for short sales or trying to negotiate that aspect of things. When we get a hot lead from a distressed borrower from postcards and marketing, they're all about there to keep, to keep, to keep. And they'll tell you, oh, we don't sell their notes. Every bank sells their notes um, at some sort of fashion. Now, if, don't call me asking to buy a note for Bank of America, Chase or Citibank. They'll sell notes, but the $50 million pool, okay? Right, but, right. Here's the thing. A bank makes their money not on owning the property. They make their money on the money coming in and leveraging that out and arbitraging that in and rents and repeating and uh, leveraging that out 10, 15, 50 times of what they have on deposit. So a bank would rather, when I'm contacting them in a state that's a longer foreclosure process or uh, realize that, hey, I can get 50 cents on the dollar now versus trying to work this out and then it taking another two to three months to foreclose. And then if I foreclose and if I don't sell the auction, now I've got to fix it up. And their costs are two to three times more than what it'd be for you and me, David. So it's all about the velocity of capital. If they get that 50% in now, they can turn around and lend that money out five, 10, 15 times and recoup their costs faster. And they're happier now because they got a bad note off their books and let somebody like me come in and take it over and I can deal with that headaches and, ma and make it a win-win across the board. Does that make sense? No, that makes absolute perfect sense. Absolutely. Time, time is very important. Uh, I love it. I love it. Go ahead. You got to realize too, it also depends on how long, I mean, we talked about how long the foreclosure process of so a bank is nine tenths of the way to the foreclosure auction or trial or whatever. They may not discount it that much because they've done all the heavy lifting. Uh, it just depends on the, what the bank has under the, on the portfolio. It has what, you know, what's going on with that borrower. I mean, I've bought notes where borrowers haven't paid in six years, and I don't know why the bank hadn't started the foreclosure process. They just wow. had, you know, right, right. Had, it just depends on the lender's portfolio and where they're sitting at. So it depends on where they're sitting at, their portfolio, um, the state in which the property is in, and then I guess um, how far along in the process. You know, if they're just a couple months late versus if you know it's already been foreclosed on or it's in the process of being foreclosed on all of these things are a factor very very cool so typically when you are buying notes what do you do with them after <laughs> you go out and you find yourself a note and i'd imagine that it's going to depend on where in the process for what you do next but typically you know what are you doing whenever you're buying a note 
uh, fill us in. Good question, David. So I like occupied assets, which is kind of different than most investors. Most investors want to take the property and love on it. They want to kick the guy out. Yeah. If it's not already out, they want to fix it up and they want to flip it. That's what I do. Ah, I'm throwing <laughs> up. <in my> mouth. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want, I, I, if I, if I'm looking at a portfolio, I get in the first thing I'm gonna do is look at the occupancy. If it, is it occupied or not? If it's not occupied, I'll look to see how, when was the last payment and figure out how long that borrower's been on the house because it's been an unoccupied asset. That means it's going to need probably a new air conditioner, some sort of internal thing, either copper's been, you know, the copper goblins have showed up, the roof needs work or it's been trashed out. And I don't want to do that. I want to be in the velocity here, velocity capital. Okay. Okay. Occupied assets give me the most amount of exit strategies. It also gives me the easiest way to make money in note investing besides wholesale on the paper is that if I can get the borrow in to start making payments again to me, I have a, and in 12 months, I have a reperforming asset, but I got cash flow coming in. So think about it. If I buy an, a, a note today and it's occupied and I don't like the, 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 the ratios, I'm going to send a letter out immediately to the borrower in like a week after I, I close, trying to get the borrower to start making payments on time. Because if I can start having to make payments, listen, I don't care what life threw at you, what drama you went through, divorce, job loss, whatever. Can you start making that existing payment? If you can't make that existing payment, can you make a modified payment of some sort. I'm not so worried you guys about aren't the, calling these people and trying to negotiate. You're sending them a letter. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have servicing companies. that will do that. But a lot of times there's about a 30 day period before servicing companies will start reaching out to the borrowers. Cause there's a whole transfer of assets from one loan, one lender to another lender. But okay. what we do, we reach out in the but, first. So time. during that, so during that period though, you guys are just sending a letter essentially. Basically, send a letter to see, because we're buying a portfolio. I'll give you an example. I bought 60 notes from a fund um, last year in a portfolio. We sent a letter out in the first seven days. Uh, by day 14, I had 36 of those 60 borrowers that had reached out to us. I'm like, no, we want to stay. We want to stay in the house. And so they were willing to start making payments by the end of the first month. Six months later, it was basically considered a reperforming asset. I bought those assets at 35% of value. I could sell those notes now somewhere else to 85%, 85% of value without having to do any rehab costs, no legal, no taxes, stuff like that. And I've got cash flow and I've got increased value side on the equity side too uh, from the getting reperforming. So that's wow. The, if you think about it, if somebody's got, if you bought a mortgage on a property and it was a 6% interest rate, and you bought it at 50 cents a vote and got them started paying on time. If they just started paying on time, that's a 12% cash on cash return to you right there. Now, if we always like to ask the borrowers to bring a little bit extra skin in the game, bring in three, four months of back payments. You know, I don't care where they get it from, but if they now bring four more months to the table, that's going to boost your ROI from a 12 to a 20, 25 plus return, depending on where they're located. Now you've got a great ROI the first 12 months, and now you get a kicker at 12 months where you were in it. To 50 now you're selling at 80 it's another 30 percent profit in uh, in year one if you want to or you hold it for cash flow and, and just you know keep it keep it coming in to retire that's all it's all about is, is cash flow you know yeah cash flow is the name of the game i have learned that uh many years ago and um man cash flow is the name of the game i love yeah. that yeah. very cool. Don't get me wrong we have Plenty of note investors that use notes as a way to find assets in, in their markets that they're buying in, and then they'll take them back. They don't mind the fixing, you know, the fix up or uh, you know, putting a renter and hold it for long term for that way. That's totally great. 
I'm a big believer that investors, when they can focus on one or maybe two uh, lanes and niches, they're going to be a lot happier because they can streamline things. They're going to reduce costs because they're doing the same thing over and over and really turn into a system versus trying to pick 30 different tools and run out there and try to do 30 different things. The, the, yeah, I think the name of the game and those that are the most successful are the ones that, hey, focus on one or two yep. niches and stick to it. And then they have their marketing down, their systems down. And they're a lot happier because they're not out chasing their tail on crazy turkey shoots. You know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. Focus is power. Focus yep. is, it's powerful being able to focus your time and energy on one or two things. Like you said, Scott, I could not agree more. I think that's awesome. So um, what am I missing? I've asked, you know, why, um, you know, for, for how, I guess how, um, I guess maybe where, if I ask where, where are you going to buy these? You know, you're, every bank is selling these. Now the bigger banks are obviously going to be selling packages or portfolios of these. But, you know, if you were me, let, let, let's try an exercise here, Scott. If you were me, you know, and all of a sudden I woke up and I said, I'm going to do what Scott does out of St. Louis, Missouri. Where would you start? Would you start uh, looking at the local banks in my area or no? No, I mean, you're not going to walk into a local bank and say, hey, I, I want to buy your notes because the person or the, uh, the department inside that bank may not even be in the same state. It may not be in the okay. same. So um, these internal departments, as I'll say, I mean, I used to be a banker for Chase and didn't know anything about this back in 2004. Okay. Okay. So the departments inside the banks that control this is called, they go by the, uh, a couple of names, the secondary marketing department, the special assets department, or the whole loan sales trade department. And the best thing I would do is just stay in your pajamas, pull up your computer, go over to LinkedIn and type in those names, special assets department, secondary marketing department, because LinkedIn will help you find thousands and thousands of these professionals at banks and institutions all across the country. And then I would just reach out to them individually and say, Hey, do you, what do you have on your books that you're looking to get rid of? You know, what, what's your, what non-performing, what non-performing stuff. And you don't need to have a paid version of LinkedIn. You can do this with a free version. And that's what we've done. I mean, there's also some different uh, websites you can go to to download lists of mortgage bankers that are originating. Um, there are different funds out there that are buying and selling. Uh, there's no note MLS that lists everything. You've got to go out to the, you know, these banks and lending institutions to find this stuff, but every bank's got some defaulted stuff. Now, if they've only got like a one to 2% default rate, they may not sell. They may just work it out in house, but there's, I mean, we're having a record number of originations taking place and refinances in the, in the economy right now, but we're still seeing about a two to 3% default rate across the country. That's still these hundreds of thousands of newly originated or new refinance loans that are, are in default, or we still have roughly 3 million homes that are still underwater from a decade ago in different parts of the country. So um, get the list and then go from there. If you're, a, you're a wholesaling, you understand the aspect of marketing. If you see a list and it's not something in your backyard, we wholesale, but we'll jump on meetup groups. We'll jump on Facebook groups, real estate clubs across the country in different cities. Say, hey, I got a, a, a non-performing note here in your, in your back of the ground. Anybody interested? And, and work it that way. So that's what I started doing a decade ago when I was uh, getting out of the fix and flip business because everything was hitting the, the skids then and just kind of just get a list in, identify an asset, work through it, do some due diligence on it, and then marketed it to people that could take it down when I didn't have the cash to do it. And then just started evolving. And, and um, the big thing when it comes to notes is you're going to have to use cash to fund these transactions. You're not going to go out and get a loan or a hard money loan from a bank or a hard money lender. You're going to need OPM, 
or your own funds to take this down. And notes are a great investment for IRA accounts and things like that. So does that make sense? Awesome. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I love it. I love it. So um, what is your typical time frame? Um, whenever you're buying a note to the time that you sell it off. Now, I, obviously, I know that it's going to vary depending on the note and maybe even the location, maybe even the, the owner of that particular property. Um, but is that typically the strategy that you're going for is buying them at 35 to 50 cents on the dollar, you know, trying to get them to, to reperform again? And it sounds like you have great success doing that and then selling those back off. Or are you buying for cash flow or all the above? So kind of all of the above. Here's the thing. If I buy it and I get them reperforming, I'm going to want to hold on to that reperforming note for at least uh, 366 days. I don't want to do it. I don't want to sell that note off before one year because then it's a short-term capital gains. All right. I want to hold that note for at least one year and a day. So then it's long-term capital gains for the most part. If I, if okay. I end up selling it. Okay. Sure. Now, it, the biggest thing I tell people out there that we focus on is if a borrower once you bought a note, if a borrower has not responded to you or the servicing company sending out a notice or anything in the first 60 days, start the foreclosure process if it has not been started. Get that legal aspect started. And, you know, you can foreclose in different states, you know, relatively quickly. Georgia's pretty fast, 30 days. Uh, Missouri's a pretty fast foreclosure state, about 90 days. And so then it all depends on, on kind of the situation and where it's at with the house. And there are a lot of times we'll sell the note by for selling at the foreclosure auction on the county, um, you know, the courthouse, or um, we'll end up taking it back and then doing some upgrades to it or light upgrades. I don't like to do heavy rehabs anymore, but we'll sometimes go that route to sell it as an REO later on if we can do some value add to it. But for the most part, I prefer to hold it for reperforming. It looks like it's going to be a pain in the ass with a borrower, move it to somebody else, let somebody else deal with that headache. Uh, the beautiful thing that we get, uh, uh, David, before we end up closing is we're looking at the loan file. So we get all the origination docs. We're looking at the, the call history, the call logs from the servicing company. So we can tell if the borrowers try to do a loan mod or stay in the house or told the servicer to go to F off. You know, we get all that stuff. Um, we always put eyes on the assets as well so with realtors and, and you know, other local investors to drive by, give us an idea what the, the house looks like. Um, you know, if the house is listed for sale, you know, that's a good thing. We can some, sometimes see what the interior is, but for the most part, we're going to make our decision based off of what we see on paper and the exterior of the property. And you can often tell a lot you know, about the interior by looking at what's going on with the loan file and by what's going on with the exterior of the house too. And then of course, we'll do some social sleuthing on the borrowers too, Facebook, LinkedIn, and see what's going on there. You know, I, you know, I was looking at buying a note and I thought it'd be a re-performing note, but when I got on Facebook and tracked down the borrower, uh, I saw that she posted, well, do I make my mortgage payment this month or do I go to Disney? We're going to Disney, you know? Oh, so I was wow. like, I'm like, yeah. Then I saw another one where the borrower went through a bit of a transition. Uh, he was paying to have implants done in his life and, and choosing to make his mortgage or use his money for that versus his mortgage payment. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we can track down and find out in social media uh, and, uh, you know, the loan file that help us to make educated decisions before pulling the trigger. Wow. Scott, you just educated the hell out of me, man. That's really cool. Very, very cool. So what am I missing, man? Um, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on this. Um, let's talk about some of the risks. Yep. So here's, here's the biggest thing we see happening with real estate investors that come over in the note space is they approach it like a traditional real estate investor versus a banking method. Okay. Yep. One thing that we don't chase, and it makes it difficult for us, is we don't chase notes where there's equity. 
So let's say the house is worth 160 and they only own 100. Now that would be a desire, a very desirable thing if you're a traditional realtor or a real estate investor trying to get that property, have all that equity, right? With us, it works counterintuitive. Uh, the banks don't want to take that big a discount when there's a lot of equity. Um, if you're going to have to foreclose, the borrowers are going to fight you for that equity. All right. Um, your maximum bid at the foreclosure auction would be what they owe, not, you know, so if it's sold, you're only going to get what you're owed. That exit sells above what's owed. That money's going to the, the borrower, not to you. Um, so you've got to change a little bit of a mindset on what you look at things. You always, always want to check title to making sure what's on title. You know, if there's liens and judgments, you got to take a look at that. Um, you want to make sure um, to check taxes and make sure that the, the, the note hasn't been wiped out via tax foreclosure. Um, you always want to try to get accurate values as best you can. Um, and then just, you know, hire professionals. A lot of people want to get, hey, I want to make those phone calls to the borrowers. I'm like, no, you don't. Um, there's a little thing called CFPB uh, and there's more rules regarding debt and in the lending industry. And so you need to let your third party vendors handle those conversations for the most part. They're, they're licensed in that. They've gone through classes. Uh, well, and every state's a little bit different when it comes to the licensing part. Some states you need a license to be a mortgage uh, broker or banker. Most states, as long as you've got a servicing company that's licensed in that state, that'll solve that, that issue. But you, you've got to do a little bit more due diligence and you're looking at the paper. Um, engineers sometimes will have a hard time with the note space because it could go a variety of different ways, kind of a choose your own adventure kind of exit strategies if the borrowers work with you or they don't work with you versus a specific, I'm buying the property, I can fix it and go this route. Um, so that's the thing. It's a, it's a little bit different with each deal. Uh, some deals you think are going to be uh, straight up modifications or reinstatements and it turns into being a drawn out foreclosure. Uh, other times you think they're going to be a foreclosure and suddenly the borrower shows up and brings 10 grand to the table to, to reinstate the loan. So um, it's, it's a different type of strategy. The beautiful thing is that we're six to 12 months ahead of uh, where most people see deals at because we're way up the, the, the food chain close and direct to the source. And uh, that's the thing that we like. It's just, it's, it's creative. And uh, I like doing this from wherever I'm at. You don't have to be in your backyard or and you can, as long as you've got internet and a good connection, you can be a note investor. That's, that's really cool. Cause in my business now, there are lots of people out there that are virtually wholesaling houses. Um, I like to do it in my own market cause I can get my eyes on those houses. I personally like going to the properties and meeting the people and walking through them. You never know what you're going to find in those properties. Yeah. Um, and I'm a people person. So me sitting at home, you know, um, versus being out in the field, you know, I just, I choose the latter on, in that scenario. Um, so I do it all locally, but I love how you guys aren't uh, locked down or, you know, limited to just your neighborhood or your county or your city. You can do this all over. So what are you in all 50 states or are there certain states that you avoid? So don't buy in New York or New Jersey because it takes in New York, it can take you like 36 months to foreclose and you need to hire an attorney to talk to an attorney, to have an attorney. Okay. <laughs> Illinois is great except for Chicago and Crook County. Okay. Chirac is a place that's very difficult to foreclose on. It's very corrupt when it comes to legal. It can take you 12 to 18 months still to foreclose in, in Chicago. Now other parts of Illinois are great. Um, other than that, I mean, we don't see a lot of stuff on the West Coast that makes sense because it's just overpriced. I mean, California, the land of fruit and nuts, and with all the droughts, you just got nuts out there now. Um, so they sell stuff at ridiculous pricing, so it doesn't make sense. 
Um, we're buying a lot in, um, you know, the, you know, if you're a football fan, the Big Ten, Southeast Conference, parts of the country, uh, the ACC. You know, I like Ohio. I like Michigan. We're getting some really great bang for a buck up in those states. I love Missouri. Uh, I've bought stuff in St. Louis and Kansas City and uh, Columbia and that neck of the woods. Spent some now, time. Kansas City, Missouri side or Kansas City? Missouri. So That's just a joke. I know it's a joke. It's a different story, though. But you're like Kansas has. A there little... is a Kansas City in the Kansas side. It's on the river. It's on the border, guys. If you're not aware, it's just Kansas... like ninety percent of it's on the Missouri side. Yeah, but Kansas has a longer foreclosure time frame than Missouri. So it's oh little... wow, okay, it totally is. And so uh, Florida has been great. I, I was buying in Florida ten years ago when everybody was running away from it. I was buying condos for five grand and hold, you know taking. 12 to 18 months to foreclose because the you know, investors were international and then selling them for 60, 70 grand at the foreclosure auction. So, you know, the thing is we've had such a, a great up, you know, in, in appreciation. The market's recovered. Um, it is time for the market to change at some point. Uh, you know, everybody says it's going to be this year. Some say it'll be after the elections. We're due for a market correction. And that's, that's, the that's right. We absolutely you know are. I mean? Yep. And so that's so that was my next question, that's... Scott, is, is, is there a way for you to kind of see it coming? Because um, I would think, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, I apologize, but I would think that if you were in this business, and maybe you were in 2005, 6, and 7, you would see that there was a lot more and more people getting foreclosed on or a lot more of these notes for sale. Are you starting to see that trend again or no? So in five, six, seven, and eight, I was a mortgage banker, a mortgage, okay. mortgage company. I mean, I, I bought notes, owner financing, wraparound, stuff like that, a little bit in the non-performing commercial side. But I'm seeing, the th like, my spider sense is going off right now because back then we were seeing not, you know, subprime mortgages. We were seeing, uh, you know, five, one, seven, one arms. Um, you yeah, know, stated income loans. Stated income, 100% financing or... Zero down, you know, zero down payments are just ridiculous stuff that just didn't make sense. People that, yes. that didn't need to get a house. Ridiculous, right? We're seeing that same stuff repeat again. Arms have been back for a couple of years. Uh, lenders are doing 100% financing. Um, yeah, I saw I saw some of that in the news just the other day about how the 100% loans are back, and it's like crazy. I just don't yeah. get it. Um, you know, people that there's lenders out there's lenders doing 100% financing or loans with people giving loans to people the 520 FICOs in every state in the country right now. I had a phone call with a mortgage banker, one of the big shots up at Bank of America a couple of days ago and asking about his program. He's like, Oh, we're just killing it right now. We're donating the down payment and then we're contributing $7,500 towards closing costs. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, what is this? Are you requiring 20% down? He was like, no, we're 100% financing, first-time home buyers. I'm like, you're telling me people that are getting a house without any savings, 100% financing on new builds too? He's like, oh yeah, new builds. I said, what, what happens when the, the tax value gets adjusted and the person looks at their budget and they can't afford it anymore because they can't pay the taxes now? Now that's going to go foreclosure. Now they have, they have no skin in the game. Uh, so no incentive to stay in the houses. We're going to see maybe not quite as catastrophic as it was a decade ago, where we had 15 million homeowners underwater in 2010. But we're definitely going to see something happen again um, sooner than later again. And so I, I, I see those signs. I talk. I, I track foreclosure rates in cities and states and, and see things. I see an uptick in some things. I mean, here's, here's a disturbing thing for you, Dave, um, David. 
one in 10 Americans is already a month behind on their mortgage. 10? Already? Already. One in 10? One in 10. Yes. What? And that's yeah. a nationwide statistic? The nationwide statistic. Yep. Holy cow. That's scary, Scott. Yep. It's going to scare a lot of people here. <laughs> holy cow. I so would be saying that, holy shit. I'm sorry. Holy shit. Yeah, no, holy shit. That's I'm all for it. So Scott, um, is that a new trend or has it been that way for the last 30 years? Like, like where do we stand on, on that stat in terms of the, you know, the history? Like so, is, one in, is that alarming right now or is very, that normal? No, no, no. It's, a, it's an alarming stat. We didn't start seeing that number increase until right before everything happened 10 years ago. And it's on pace to do that. Here's another disturbing thing for you. In 2008 and nine, the banks were leveraging every dollar they had in 15 to one. So for every dollar they had in, they were lending it out 15 times. That number is now more likely 50 to 55 to one is how much they've leveraged money out. So, you know, if you've ever watched the big short or read the book, I love that movie. I've seen it 10 times. You know, we're going to see things. You're going to see banks going out of business again. You're, it's like the RTC days that happened in the 80s, the savings and the loan scandals, the same loan stuff. You have 10, 15 years of growth. Um, you know, they're, they're, sending, they're selling off these credit swaps again, like that led to a big downfall in 2008 and 9, like they did in the big short. We're already starting to see those being repackaged on Wall Street again. So Wall Street's getting greedy. We're seeing increased defaults. Yeah, supposedly the economy's doing great. There's a lot of people that are struggling to get by right now. And yeah, uh, one in 10, it seems like. Yeah. One in 10. Now you said one in 10 are, are already, late. Already at least 30 days behind. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So is there, I mean, is there a lot of people that get behind and then get caught back up and that's like a, and that's kind of like a, like a back and forth, like a swing. Or do you, is it typically when someone gets behind, that's, it, it ends up, I mean, I guess it kind of varies, obviously, but well, what's you, the, uh, go ahead. You, you got to realize that, here's the thing, here's another statistic that'll scare 85% of people are one missed paycheck away from being, you know, in trouble. And that, that happens when you have people, um, well, well, it's just, when you have people that are used to trying, they look at overtime as being their base salary. And then you look at all the retail companies going out of business. You see all these other companies that are laying off. You see all these lower uh, people that can't afford to live in parts of the country anymore because it's getting too expensive there and they can't afford to pay for it to keep up with the Joneses. They got to look at either paying for power or, or paying to live. Right. In cases. So all these factors of growth, I mean, we see that here in Austin. Home affordability is a big issue in a lot of places across the United States. And the more you see that, the bigger divide happens. So yeah, you see people that will get behind by 30 days and they'll make up a double payment. Or they'll, you know, they bought toys with, with their income. Now they're selling the toys off to pay for their mortgage. Uh, I used to joke that we were in a, in a garage sale economy over a, a decade ago. We're starting to see more and more of that. So track, uh, track your garage sale notices and you'll see an increase in that. And that's usually a sign that people are trying to sell off whatever they can to make the payment to survive. Interesting. Wow. That is crazy. One in 10 people are late on their mortgage currently. And 85% of people are one paycheck away from disaster. I believe the second quote, I mean, I believe both of them, obviously, but 
I, I know a lot of people live check to check. The majority of people, 85% is, is the, is the stat, I guess. But I yep. did, I had no idea that one in 10 people in America are actually already 30 days late on their mortgage. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Nobody talks about that, but you can track that stuff. We pull, you know, we pull st stats, uh, from originations and defaults and talking to the banks and stuff like that on a, on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, um, it's, it, it's, 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 it's going to be more so that middle class, the lower class are going to feel the biggest. Oh, of hit. course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one, one last question before we wrap up, Scott, um, you know, in terms of the fact that, that, you know, the, the markets are cyclical and you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. We haven't had a down, you know, like a, like a correction or a significant dip in over 10 years now. And I know that you don't have a genie in a bottle by any means, but are you, are you thinking that we're going to have one of, you know, something along these lines in the next six months? Or are you foreseeing this more like, you know, maybe one or two years out? I, I'm going to say it's going to be in the, in the next, in this year. I mean, we're already seeing things in some parts of the country dragging on in, in places. So it's not going to be quite as crazy as it was before, but it's going to, I see things this year taking this, this year. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree with you. And, and that's why I ask, cause I like to ask some of the tough questions, you know, and I, I feel like that is, uh, I feel like I'm in that same ballpark with you. I feel like it's sooner than later. I really do. And I, I'm right now working with my business partners to pay off a lot of our line of credit debt and debts that could essentially be called due whenever, you know, shit does hit the fan. And uh, we're working diligently to put ourselves in a situation or a position that whenever we do have, you know, that, that day that comes that, you know, banks stop lending and everything else that we're positioned, you know, rather well. So here's the, yeah, here's the big thing. If you've got properties with a ton of equity, I would go get them refinanced. I would put, I'd pull some cash out because that cash, you're going to do you any good sitting there when you could put it, bring it in and, and lend it out at, you know, make eight to 12%, keep it if you can. I mean, we're still very lucky that we've got low interest rates out there. I'm not saying it refinance out a hundred percent, but if you can refinance out up to 65, 70, 75%, uh, you know, I think you'll still be good if we see a downturn. Um, you want to make sure that your property is cash flowing a, several hundred bucks a month, not a hundred or 200. Cause if you've got to adjust or reduce your rent, um because yeah yeah we shoot for two 275 at a minimum yeah yeah about exactly. 300 bucks yep 250 300 in, in positive cash flow above you know piti and everything else that goes along with that that's the important thing reduce your expenses i mean um you know whatever you can you know that's the biggest thing try to have as as lean an organization and lean as a lifestyle as possible i'm not saying not go out and eat but I think we all can and do good by looking back at our expenses every six to 12 months and getting rid of things that we've signed up for. And, um, cause you know, sock away. I mean, put money in your IRAs, put money away, save it for a rainy day. Cause you want to have cash when things do go south, so you can really capitalize and buy, you know, two, three, four properties versus what you could pay for one. So I totally agree. Well, Scott, how can I, uh, how can I direct some traffic your way? You know, if, if, if I, if we have quite a few listeners and if they, if they're interested in learning more about you, um, obviously go check out the note closer show. That's a podcast guys. It's also, um, syndicated out to, uh, several radio stations across the country. 
So if you are not aware or haven't checked it out yet, check out the Note Closer show. Um, but Scott, how could people connect with you directly? What's, what's the best way? The easiest way is just to go to our website, weclosenotes.com. That handles all our events, our trainings, the podcast. Um, you can always go there. And then we've also, if you want to learn more about note investing, um, I wrote a book that I'm glad to give away to anybody that's interested free. You, I mean, you pay $19.99 on Amazon if you want, but I'll you just shoot me an email at scott at weclosenotes.com. I'll be glad to email you a copy of my book, no questions asked. But it's a really good kind of, you know, intro to note investing and kind of diving in and, and getting your feet wet a little bit there and, and understanding a lot of terms. I'm a, uh, there's people out there that over compliment, complicated talk of bugger heads. I'm a like normal, hey, give me the layman's terms. And that's how I wrote my book to help people understand that note investing, um, what it is and what it's all about. Give me that website one more time. Weclosenotes.com. Guys, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Reach out to Scott if you want a free copy of his book. And Scott, thanks for offering that to our audience. Much appreciated. Or go check him out on his website at weclosenotes.com. Did I get that right? You got it perfect, David. Weclosenotes.com. And Scott has training and live events and all other types of goodies for you guys at that URL. Again, that is weclosenotes.com. Scott, thank you so much. For coming on the Discount Property Investor podcast today. It has been an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot. I'm confident that our audience did. We're going to have to have you back in a couple months and do this again. Any, any, any parting words for the audience, Scott? Well, I don't care what avenue of real estate you're in. Take action. Do something. The only thing that you guarantee by not taking action is failure. Love it. Absolutely love it. Guys, don't forget, you make your money when you buy. You get paid when you sell. So if you are buying properties retail, you are losing. We teach you how to buy these properties at a discount. Don't forget, check out our free course at freewholesalecourse.com. Scott, thanks again for coming on the show. We are signing off, guys. Until next time, we will see you then. Thanks again.